Hello, and welcome back to the Liberty Blues. I'm Sean Osborne. And I'm Steve Marin, teacher from the great state of Indiana. Indeed. And today we're uh, very happy to have Ted Brown on today. You know, Ted Brown is much beloved out here in California. He used to be, he used to be the chair of the state, right? Correct, yes, for a little while, 2015 to 2018. Yeah, we unfortunately lost you to Texas. Indeed. Well, those things happen, but uh, I'm still very fond of California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish you were out here voting with us today, man. <laughs> well, good luck. I don't know. I think uh, Newsom's going to probably uh, beat the recall, but uh, we will yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be really emboldened by it, too, I imagine. Well, he, I'm sure he's uh, been able to do all kinds of crazy left-wing stuff there, so he'll just continue on the same path. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, uh, I want to tell everybody, Ted, Ted's, the, Ted's the guy that called me to get me active in the Libertarian Party. I didn't realize you were in Texas when you did that. I was like, man, uh, you know, I, and I'm surprised that the number of people I meet out here in California who you actually got in the party. You know, I think from Angela McArdle, I think you talked her into it, and uh, the chair of the state, uh, Mimi. I think, uh, I think you talked to all of them into it, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it came from uh, recruiting candidates. That was one of my big things in the party going back to the 80s, was uh, making sure that we had libertarians running for as many offices as possible. Because uh, in general, most people don't pay attention to politics except during elections. So if we aren't there, we're not anywhere, really. Right. So I would always call around and ask libertarians to run for uh, various offices. And it was a lot easier back before top two, which passed in the 20s. Yeah. Uh, general election that made it much harder to uh, get on the general election ballot. Before that, we had like dozens of candidates every uh, election cycle for uh, statewide offices, for Congress, for the state legislature, uh, all of that. And now it's much more hit and miss. And the reason I called uh, Mimi Robson the new state, well, she's served longer than I have now, but my, my uh, successor as state chair and you was uh, a way to get on the ballot as uh, write-in candidates. Because if only one person has filed uh, for the office in California, and they're still top two, there's still a chance for the second person. And so if you get more write-in votes than any other candidate, then uh, you're in the top two. And that's what Mimi did. Uh, and uh, you would have had you uh, qualified because no one else ran as a write-in candidate in your district. So uh, that's, that's that. we get a few each election cycle now with that method. That's pretty sweet. So you, so you're a longtime libertarian. There, how how long have you been in the party and active in it? Oh, I've been on, I'm in my 43rd year, my whole adult life. I joined when I was 18 as a college freshman. I am 61 years old now. Oh man, that's great. That's cool. You know, I, I always I always leaned libertarian until uh, you know through like high school and stuff. And then uh, you know, I remember uh, I'm I'm a you know I'm a heavy metal fan, and when the government came after the music with the PMRC and everything. I just like, man, I can't be down with censorship. And I, I left and luckily landed right in the Libertarian Party. But like I said, you know, I was always, I guess a small L. I was registered as a Libertarian, but I hadn't actually gotten involved. And now I'm a, I'm a region representative here in Los Angeles uh, and on the program committee for the state. So, you know, you got oh, that yeah, ball rolling. Oh, there's quick upward mobility in the party. If you're willing to be an activist and to uh, work at it, uh, you will get immediate promotions because everyone is so happy to have you as, uh, uh, you know, the new blood getting out there and promoting liberty because we just need as many people as possible. 
you show you want to do it, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one thing that I, I noticed really quick. It was like how, how easy it was to, uh, to get heard, you know, and, and people are willing to listen to different ideas. You know, that's one thing that just drives me nuts out here in California is that, you know, that it, the, the Republic, the Republicans, you know, they, I don't know, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're already whining about it being stole from them and they hadn't even got any results yet. And the Democrats are just blaming the Republicans for everything and the Democrats run everything. It's just like, that's, that's their whole modem or, or, or uh, motive is just to say we're better than the other guy. And you don't really hear any new ideas and, you know, going to libertarian events and stuff, you really hear different ideas and solutions to problems that you just don't hear from other people. They're, oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. Because uh, they always say, oh, well, there's, uh, you hear what the Democrats have to say and the Republicans have to say, but, and they do sound a little bit different because they have like, you know, different life experiences and everything. But when you come to the end of the, the end of the day, what changes? There's just bigger government, whichever one of those guys are uh, in office. Yeah. And just who's, who's going to be in control, basically. Oh, exactly. As, uh, I think it was H.L. Uh, Mencken that said that each election is an advanced sale of stolen goods. Mm. What, uh, so what, what, uh, what, uh, what brought you into libertarianism? Like, uh, was it a writer or uh, like a philosopher or what, what, what uh, got you in there? Well, I was interested in politics as a teenager, but I considered myself a liberal Democrat because everybody in my family's a Democrat and pretty much they still are. Uh, but uh, when I was uh, looking at, I really had some you know, different views. I just believed in freedom. And whenever like issue discussions came up in school or whatever, I always was the one taking the uh, very uh, pro-freedom and pro-Bill uh, of Rights kind of uh, attitude. And so um, I was actually reading Progressive Magazine which is a liberal magazine, and they actually had an article about the Libertarian Party, and it was negative, but it was completely accurate. They, they were kind of like uh, scathing about it, but they were totally accurate about it. it was, they even had the address to write for information. I said, wait a minute, this sounds like what I believe in. So I sent the, uh, I sent the, I was a uh, college freshman, I sent the uh, uh, note to the party, and they, uh, they sent me the, the platform and these position papers and all this, and I immediately started a student group, and. Uh, Went right from there. Where, where, where did you grow up? In, did you grow up in Los Angeles? No, I grew up in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. Oh, in West Virginia. Okay. Right. And so I was at school at, actually in the Northeast for one year, and then I dropped out and moved to California. But while I was there, I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I put out a word that I wanted to start a libertarian group, and another guy was interested. So we, uh, we got something going. And uh, the party, the National Party, actually had a speakers bureau back then. So we said, well, we want to have an event. So who can you send? And Professor Dominic Armentano, who was the author of The Myth of Antitrust and Antitrust and Monopoly, quite a, uh, at that time, a well-known libertarian writer who, I don't, he might be out of print now, I'm not sure, but uh, he was at the next college. And he said, oh, sure, he'll speak. So we had a big event and we had a pretty good turnout. And so oh, that's cool. a lot of people, so got, got, that encouraged me. And then when I moved to California, I went to the Central LA meeting uh, in June of 79 was the first one I went to. And uh, I went in and the, I was greeted and I said, I've moved here uh, to California. I'm a libertarian. I will, I will volunteer for whatever you need me to do. And the guys, uh, Bob Lehman, uh, who's a legend of the party at the time, um, his eyes lit up and they had me within not very long after that out on the, uh, out on the streets registering libertarian voters for our ballot drive when the party got on the ballot back then. 
And you're damn effective at it, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. The, the, the cause is so important because, I mean, whenever you see what the government's doing and abusing people and all, and, and uh, people just need to be left alone, I'm, I'm there, you know. And it's been yeah. that way all along. What's your, what's your like, argument that, uh, like, you give the people, like, for, like, because, uh, you know, like, uh, out here in California, that's one of the big things is school choice. Uh, what, what's, what's a good libertarian argument for school choice? Well, that people, uh, should, that uh, parents and kids should be deciding about their education, not government officials. Uh, when, you, when it's political, which it is when it's a government agency, uh, just about every decision about education is a political decision. I mean, what, what you're being taught, how you're being taught, all that. And that's, uh, it shouldn't be political. It should be, you know, actually teaching something that uh, skills that the kids are going to use, not getting involved in like ideological arguments and all that. So um, the parents should be able to choose where their kids go to school, including at their own homes. Yeah. So Steve's a, Steve's a high school teacher in Indiana. So mm -hmm. is, there, is there much school choice over there, Steve? Yeah, there is. There's a, there's a ongoing battle. We use a, what's called a voucher system. So if you um, have gone to a public school for at least one year, you can go to a private school or a charter school or anything like that and get reimbursed for what the state would have given your home school. Oh, that's pretty good. That yeah. sounds, sounds like a pretty good deal there. Yeah, and it's not it's not a bad deal at all. I mean, and and it's it's a you know I see a lot yeah. of I see a lot of kids that um, go to private schools and then they'll come to public schools for just one year and just suck it up so they can get that voucher because it's pretty mm. it's a pretty um, I think it's like I think it's between eighteen and twenty four hundred dollars per student to well, apply not bad. to private school. Yeah. And of course, the private schools are a lot less expensive than public schools because uh, they actually have to serve customers and have uh, cost cost control measures and all that, just like a business. And that, that's exactly what it is. It's a business, and and I don't know. I haven't. I I work for a public school, but my kids went to private schools, so I'm kind of on both ends of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Ted, well, yeah, yeah, you know, one thing in, uh, in Texas, they have an interesting thing with the schools. They have like an elected state board of education, 15 members elected by district, and they, they choose the school curriculum and everything. And it's like a um, uh, obviously most of them are right wing, uh, crazy uh, religious fanatics and all that. And that's where they, uh, they start deciding what the kids are going to learn in school. And you see the opposite in, in places like, uh, say, San Francisco, probably, where every liberal yeah. value is going to be taught in the school. So, like I was saying, uh, people need to get away from both of those and uh, learn the, the three R's pretty much. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I ask, I, ask my, I ask my students every once in a while, you know, we'll, we'll have conversations and they'll tell me, you know, oh, I have U.S. history. And I go, and I always ask them if they do they teach you the real U.S. history or what we were taught? Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference. Oh, a big there difference. is. There is. Well, I was real lucky when I was taking American history. I went to a private school and uh, there was a really good, in fact, it was the, the American history textbook that got me interested in politics when I was like 12 years old. And uh, I gave my first political speech for uh, 
in, in, in that class for uh, George McGovern back in the 72 oh, election. Man. And, uh, but they had, it was a real good program in the book. They had like just a real little blurb about American history. And then they had contemporaneous accounts, people on every side of what was going on, like people who were there. And they actually included things like uh, a speech opposing American entry into World War I in the, in the history book, that sort of thing. So, well, I agree with that. Only one in the class, of course. I was the only one in the class that agreed with that. And, uh, um, and it kind of went from there. But I was, I, I loved seeing that where they, they gave like, uh, different sides of the issue and most kids don't see that they just are going to get whatever the party line is in that particular community yeah and they'll get the they'll get the uh, generic version of that too even if anything you're right because uh, people just are not learning uh, yeah. I was uh, just reading recently that American history is uh, and all world history is not being taught like chronologically or uh, anything that can put it in context they just like pick some incident or something in history and then just study that and like well did this, did this just drop out of the sky what is this about you know if they have something about say uh, the civil rights era with uh, martin luther king giving an i have a dream speech or something well well why did he have to do that you know there, there needs to be you know some sort of context for the whole thing yeah I'm, I'm really surprised how many people have no idea about a timeline how things what order things happened in oh yeah it, it explains a lot, though, when you look around about how people behave politically. Though it's like they can't see they can't see it. No, and it's like uh, students of history. Like I consider myself one. I mean, they say that uh, you're doomed if uh, if you don't uh, uh, you're doomed to repeat history. Problem is, those of us that understand history are have to stand by and watch while others <laughs> make the same mistakes over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's why that's one of the reasons I'm glad that that my school is being a little more progressive about history. They're not just saying, you know, Christopher Columbus, Plymouth Rock, Pilgrims, good party, mm -hmm. moving on. Um, you know, they actually discuss, you know, Christopher Columbus and all the things that he did prior to, you know, reaching India. So mm -hmm. and it and it's and it's nice. And I think that I think that's gonna gonna help this population in the future because everybody now now this is this is kind of my opinion. Every, a lot of people in this country feel like this is the best country in the world and this and that and that we can do no wrong and we're infallible and we should govern the earth. But you know we're we're not the best country in the world and it's something that we need to work on. Well, it is a pretty low bar because we're dealing with the, the governments around the world. I mean, every government in the world deserves uh, plenty of criticism. Uh, some less, some more than others, some less than others. Obviously, we deserve a lot. Uh, China deserves a lot of criticism. Venezuela deserves a lot of criticism. But otherwise, like Iceland or something, probably less criticism, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's take a real quick break, and then let's come back and talk about what's all, all like a... Uh, Recent things in Texas. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Sean Osborne, and I would like to share something with you. One of the key principles of libertarianism is volunteerism and charity. So I decided to make an album of songs that each song would represent a different charity and all the royalties would go to those individual charities. 
my song, It's Time, goes towards the Sea Shepherds. Much Braver Than I benefits the Fallen Firefighter Foundation. Over There benefits the Wounded Warriors Project. And Lend a Hand benefits Children's Hospital. I thought this is a great way for people to give to a charity without spending a dime. The more you listen, the more you give. So please, take time wherever you listen to music and listen to Four Others Volume 1 and share it with others. Thank you. Now back to the show. So we're back. So how long ago did you move to Texas? Uh, so I'm going on four years. Four years. So you've been, so you've been there a while. What, um, so did you run for Senate or are you getting ready to run for Senate again? Well, I ran for Congress in Texas last November in the 17th uh-huh. district of Texas. It had been a while since I'd run in California. It had been since 08 since I'd run for Congress. So I had like a 12 year gap there, uh-huh. uh, mostly because of the top two uh, issue. I figured I wouldn't right. get on the ballot, so it wouldn't have mattered. But it was an interesting race. I ran. Uh, there was a uh, Republican former congressman from another district that was uh, running, uh, trying to get back into Congress because he had been defeated two years before. And it's just uh, the way the gerrymandering was. It just turned out to be a Republican district. His whole platform was, "I'm a Republican." That was his whole platform. But <laughs> I actually ran one of the most active campaigns I'd run. I had a little more time, and I, I got door hangers and. Obviously, I wasn't going to knock on people's doors during the pandemic, but I put out 17,000 door hangers, myself and my volunteers, and we reached a lot of households. And, uh, you know, the, it was, I had one of the better vote totals for a Texas libertarian, but they still fall behind what California libertarians always were getting. Because it seems like Californians are more likely to vote for a third party, whether it's libertarian or peace and freedom or whatever, than people uh-huh. in other states are. Yeah, I was really surprised to find out that uh, Los Angeles County has like the I think the biggest county affiliate and just in the counties bigger than some state libertarian parties. Oh, probably by far, by far. Yeah, that kind of shocked me. I, I, I you know, because, you know, when you think of California, libertarian is not the first damn thing you think of. No, no. But uh, again, there's just so much. <laughs> we're we're hoping to change that, though. Well, there's so much of everything in L.A. For example, L.A. has the, big, the uh, uh, biggest circulation country music station in the country just because yeah. there's so many people listening in California. I mean, yeah. more, more percentages of people might listen in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, but obviously the station's not going to be as big. Everything's bigger in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, I don't, it, it really surprised me to hear that. Um, so what's what's happening like uh, in the area you're in? Or, or the hurricane's not close because you're in Austin, right? I am. Yeah, we just get a little tiny bit of rain here and there if there's a hurricane down at the coast. Yeah. But so yeah, it doesn't mess with you. Yeah. yeah, there's always plenty of political news here, and I'm sure you've heard about that new abortion law that they yes. have here in Texas, where uh, uh, they want to ban abortion after six weeks, but they're doing it not by passing a law against it, but by saying that oh, any uh, random person anywhere can sue people who. Uh, help a woman get an abortion, whether it's an, uh, the doctor or the Uber driver that drives her over or her boyfriend that drives her over to the clinic or whatever, everybody except the woman herself. And all it does is like, uh, you know, just set up some uh, uh, place for vexatious litigants to just start suing people over and over again. There's so many examples of that in, in uh, other areas. 
like uh, California, they have that with like the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Anybody mm -hmm. can just like sue like hundreds of businesses because their the doorway of their bathroom isn't wide enough or something like that, you know. So uh, they're going to take that to extremes in Texas where uh, the abortion clinics are just going to close uh, rather than uh, put up with being sued by, you know, every uh, uh, anti-choice person in the country. Yeah, that's that's crazy. To me, it seems like, I mean, just as like as a, strate a strategic thing, it seems mm -hmm. like that's a really horrible thing because it would set a precedent, say, like liberals could start suing the hell out of people for, uh, you know, gun violence or something. Oh, they can. They can. And there's a, there's a small example of that in California. It's called the Private Attorney General Act. It's been in effect for many years and it's involving labor law. The uh, Labor Department just can't enforce all their labor laws. So people that like work at companies can just sue, sue companies for violating labor laws. And they sue them instead of it being a criminal investigation. Same idea, but just on labor. Like, they could definitely expand that. I'm surprised California didn't expand that to other, other things like that. But now Texas will give even a better example of how you can do it, especially if they get away with it. Yeah, that because yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my mind because I you already hear people talk about suing the gun manufacturers and stuff like that, and I was oh, yeah, like, they even settled in Sandy Hook. I couldn't believe it that they, they aren't the gun manufacturers aren't responsible for that, but they gave a big settlement to the a bad precedent. It was poor Sandy oh, that's a terrible Hook. precedent. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for those folks, but it was not. Uh, it was that crazy kid and his his uh, irresponsible mom that uh, were responsible for that. Yeah, that could, yeah, that's that, that's crazy. I didn't, I I forgot all about that or blocked it out or something. Yeah, yeah. So what other what other kind of laws? Because I, I know I know it was funny because I saw an article from someplace and it said six hundred and sixty six uh, new laws taking effect in in Texas. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a funny number for Texas, but. It is. That's probably just, uh, they probably said, oh my gosh, we should have like passed another one or something. Just that, <laughs> that wouldn't have been the case. But uh, there are some things that, that uh, libertarians like, like uh, uh, it's uh, gun laws are a lot looser here. And they now have constitutional carry, which is something. Oh, okay. That, that went up, through. Uh, That's good. Yeah, that went through. And so if you're, if you're legally allowed to own a gun, you're also legally allowed just to carry it around outside for everybody to see in your holster. So uh that's now what, what, what do you have to have to, to like what what are the qualifications you have like to get a gun in texas oh you have to be able to pass the background check uh -huh. yeah you can't be like a convicted felon or anything like that so uh uh it's not it's not particularly uh it's not particularly lots of rules on it not like in california where they, it's like a they, they you have to be able to get a permit from the sheriff or something and it's very hard to get man Here i tried to pretty, get a BB gun. easy to get that I tried to get a BB gun and they won't even sell a BB gun here. Amazing. Yeah, I'm serious. I tried to buy one and they won't ship it here. So I, cause I wanted to, had, had some, uh, uh, critters I was going to shoot, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, that's so amazing. That, you, you probably get that in a store, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go out. I'm, I'm blind. So or legally blind. So I don't drive. So I, you know, it's just, uh, not that I guess uh, maybe they would want my blind ass with the BB gun, but. You know? well, they'd be worried about you. Uh, maybe they want you to like take a target practice test or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trust yeah. me, those critters were safe. They're yeah, yeah. That, I was gonna pawn it off on one of my friends, but I said, I said those critters were safe. They were yeah. probably the safest things on earth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't shoot the broadside of a barn. <laughs> yeah.
That's there funny. you go. So, <coughs> uh, another, uh, another so you know, one of those things, I, I, you know, say what? I was going to say, there's, the, there's also, that might be a good law in Texas, but they also have some other crazy ones, like they are going to legally require uh, sports teams to play the Star Spangled Banner at their games now if they get any kind of government uh, funding. Oh, so geez. I know it's like forced patriotism, you know. Oh, man. Which, which means that some people might have to hire bands that might not have had to do, do it or whatever the case may be. It's just crazy because they're just like, and uh, they're just trying to like uh, show how, how conservative and patriotic they are. And they're even mm -hmm. building their own border wall. That's, that's starting up pretty soon too. So. Yeah, that, that, so, so some, like some counties are doing it or just Texas in general is working on it? The state of Texas, yeah, they, they do, it's sort of like California where they have a lot of control coming from the state government because of, of, uh, of uh, you know, monetary controls, you know. Uh -huh. uh, they, they provide a lot of money uh, to, the, to the local governments and all. It, uh, do, are, they, are they really using a lot of eminent domain for it too? Uh, I haven't heard of any new eminent domain. I know that Trump was taking a lot of uh, border uh, ranches and off with eminent domain, and then Biden just kept it up, apparently, even though he yeah. didn't want to build the border wall. But once they start wanting to take someone's property, it's hard for them to stop, you know? Right. And, and of course, only libertarians are opposed to eminent domain pretty much for anything. Uh, uh, but uh, that's not the case. Donald Trump loved eminent domain. Even uh, he stole some uh, old lady's house for a parking lot for one of his Atlantic City hotels, even and just uh, said how wonderful it was long before he was president. And of course he had no qualms about uh, even some of these uh, ranchers along the border who were some of his supporters even. Yeah, we'll just take their land. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the whole eminent domain thing, that, that, that just drives me nuts. You know, that, you know, I know like places like Boyle Heights over here in LA, they had a big problem with that because they ran a bunch of freeways through there. Then you mm. had the whole Dodger Stadium thing. You know? Oh yeah, that was a scandal with uh, displacing an entire Latino neighborhood there, and we're uh, yeah. in uh, uh, Chavez Ravine back in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, very well so established. What, what community that? Bunker Hill was another one where they uh, they were going to use urban renewal there, and they tore it all down, and that took years before they built anything. That was on Bunker Hill. On Bunker Hill, yeah, yeah. Used to be a lot of old housing up there. In fact, if you look at some old movies from LA, like from the thirties and forties and all that, you can see like a thriving bunch of uh, residences and everything up there. Yeah, it's amazing how many of those old, old places that they, uh, that they just trashed or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just uh, really just messed it up for a lot of people. Oh, sure, sure. Just uh, you have to be politically connected so you can uh, uh, develop these things. Well, yeah, we just had the one city councilman just got arrested, was it last year or the year before for, uh, taking bribes from uh, developers and that kind of stuff too, so. Well, I'm not surprised. They probably should have looked into all the rest of them too. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely a bunch of, uh, they're definitely a bunch of uh, characters over there. That's for sure. I, I, I was calling in this morning on, the, uh, on their uh, Zoom meeting and uh, I, unfortunately none of, none of us libertarians got through this morning, but every, every crazy person did. Oh man, the, the the comments this morning were just insane. It was like it was like riding the bus through through uh, through West uh, through through Hollywood. So I guess the Zoom allows more of that. So some of the people would never even leave their basement. Uh, yeah, to an actual meeting can just sign right on. Yeah. So what happened with? Because uh, you know, I know when uh, 
when the snowstorm hit. Was it last year? No, it was this and, year, uh, just seven seven months ago in February. Oh, was this year? Okay. Uh, when when that happened, I heard a lot of people saying, "Well, see, that's what happens with the private sector," and you know they don't take in consideration that's exactly what happens with California too. You know, the fires and everything, and New York flooded, and they have their infrastructure. So, do you th- what, what do you think caused the besides the fact Texas never gets that kind of weather? Right. Well, that was that was part of the problem. They just didn't uh, uh, weatherproof their uh, their power grid. And uh, so the, for the power, they just uh, couldn't couldn't keep it on. There was just uh, uh, the, the facilities were uh, frozen up pretty much. And it wasn't uh, some conservatives start saying, "Oh, well, we were too dependent on uh, wind turbines that froze." Well, no, that was a small percentage. Every single type of of uh, of energy froze. The wind turbines froze. The natural gas pipeline froze. The oil pipeline froze. The everything they everything you throw at it that does not get down to zero degrees here. And so they weren't prepared for it. And uh, then, you know, adding on to that, the zero degrees broke the water pipes. And so plenty of places have no water either. So no power and no water and it's zero. And then people started dying, freezing to death or dying of carbon monoxide poisoning when they start putting their, you know, uh, sitting out in their cars or something or pulling their cars in or whatever to, uh, to stay warm or generators even they could, if they got a generator. How long were you, were, were you without power? No, we, we had power, it, but it was hard to keep up, you know, with the heat because of how cold it was. And we had to boil water, but that was about it. Uh, I'm kind of like in an unincorporated area with like different providers than the uh, city of Austin. And, but the city of Austin had, it's just like, just, just uh, one bad decision after another. Like at, at, one, at one power plant, they, they couldn't uh, go forward because they didn't have the manual override of the automatic system or something because the one guy that knew it was away, away somewhere and he didn't tell them where the, co- the code was to like do the manual override. They had to like track him down someplace. Oh, shit. You know, and that took quite a while. And uh, it's, just, it's just one um, uh, incompetence after another. But uh, it is, you know, mostly private companies except, well, Austin had like a city utility, but uh, there's mm. private companies. In fact, I have uh, competing, I was able to choose. We had like free market uh, electric companies in my area. I was able to choose uh-huh. my electric company and those stayed on. <laughs> those, uh, those private ones stayed on instead of the, uh, what happened with the city. But uh, Compared still, to California, uh, how cheap is the electricity? Uh, I'd say it's, uh, it's relatively close. Is it? Yeah, relatively close. But I was, uh, and again, I was living in Pasadena, which has its own city utility and that's a little bit expensive. Uh-huh. when I was there in California. But uh, other utilities, like I used to live in a water district in uh, San Gabriel that was like really cheap water, like barely anything. It was like a selling point for the house even that uh, barely had to pay for water. So just it all depends on where you live. Yeah. How, 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 how's the Libertarian Party over there in Texas, uh, how's the growth been? Have you guys had a lot of, lot of growth lately? Like over oh, here, I think they said, I think Angela said in L.A. County, I think it's grown 40 percent over the last year. Well, I'm not sure if that's dues paying members or, or registrants. The California LP has a record number of registered voters, like 214,000 I saw at, at last uh, notice, which was impressive because it never used to go over 100,000. Yeah, over the last great. like uh, last like seven or eight years, it's just more than doubled, which is and th- this is like unsolicited. These are people just registering to vote and deciding <laughs> to be uh, libertarian. Now, in Texas. Uh, you don't re- register by party. 
So uh, we don't know who the libertarians are unless they like come and they let them come and participate in, in our uh, county and state conventions and such. So any voter that hasn't voted in the primary is, is eligible to come and, and participate in the Libertarian Party caucuses and uh, local conventions and state conventions and everything. And uh, but there's more contributors all the time. And uh, it's possible that with national LP members where you can uh, compare them by state, the Texas could over, overcome California ah. in the near future. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, man, a lot it's of interest good to see here. it's growing every place. It is. Well, people are moving here like crazy from all over the country, not just from California. And uh, they, uh, you know, they're, they're joining up. You know, there's, 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 there's actually so many people moving here of all persuasions. Uh, Texans say, oh, we don't want these awful Californians coming here because they're ruining <laughs> Texas. But they don't realize that it's Californians of all sorts. In fact, a lot of con conservative Californians coming to live the conservative lifestyle like in rural Texas. So, yeah. In fact, there was even a move on. There's a former California assemblyman named Chuck DeVore, who's a Republican from Orange County, who moved to Texas and then started a, a foundation to bring more conservative Californians to Texas. So, oh, man. Uh, yeah. So is there is there a big influx of is there a big influx of population in Texas right now? Oh, there sure is. I mean, uh, that's why Texas gained two congressional seats while California lost one, and so yep. did New York, and so did Illinois. All the like the Rust Belt plus California is uh, losing population to uh, the the sort of freer states, at least economically, of Texas and Florida and, and places like that. It's just uh, uh, more businesses are relocating. And of course, they bring a lot of people with them. Is it the is it the like no sales tax? Uh, there's no state income tax, which state is really good. Yeah. But the the one thing that's much more expensive uh, is in uh, maybe not in raw numbers, but in percentages, is the is the property tax because they don't have Prop 13 in Texas. So uh, even though the property values are a lot a lot lower, uh, they reassess every year. So. Uh, if, even if you've had your house for 20 years and you have your income hasn't changed and you're retired, they're still up in your property taxes every year. Oh, man, yeah, shit. That, that, yeah. that would run you right the hell out. I mean, that's Oh, I know. That's why these businesses that want to locate here get deals for uh, uh, tax abatement. For example, Elon Musk got a really big deal. Uh, his, uh, his factory that he's building is his Tesla pickup truck, which is really ugly from pictures I've seen of it, but he's putting up this really big facility. Uh, it's in some real rural uh, Hispanic school district that has no money whatsoever, but they're just giving it away the store so he can come in there and, uh, you know, hopefully provide more jobs and more uh, growth in the community. And uh, Samsung, the uh, uh, making uh, microchips, they just uh, uh, got a new factory in Taylor, Texas, which is a small town near Austin. They just opened up the floodgates of like no property taxes, I think, for, for years to get, the, get them in there. Man, yeah. It's, it, it, wouldn't it be great if the, there was just less tax every place so they could just come in and the people could live there and everything would be great? Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, of course, now for businesses, uh, like the, the world doesn't want that. You know how they're trying to like uh, standardize like the corporate tax rate around the world? Yeah, oh, that's and, awful. And, yeah. yeah, Ireland isn't going along and the EU is all upset. Oh, that's great. Because there are a lot of businesses located in Ireland. And of course, uh, uh, they pay 
a percentage, even this lower percentage, but Ireland wouldn't get that money, money at all otherwise. They're saying, hey, right. hey, this is what we're going to do, man. Yeah. They're right. They're right. There should be tax competition. Yeah, shit, yeah. So I assume you're going to, to, to the national convention. You, you probably go to all of them, right? I do, yeah, as many as I can, yeah. I, unfortunately, I was sad about what happened uh, last year because of the pandemic. I mean, I was just promote, uh, uh, remote for the Orlando convention. Uh -huh. And we were really sad that the, uh, it was going to be in Austin here, where I am. The national convention was going to be in Austin, and they were expecting 1,000 people, and then COVID hit, you know, uh -huh. just uh, three months before the convention, two months before the convention, and everybody went scrambling. And uh, Orlando was available, but uh, I was kind of afraid to get on a plane then. I wasn't afraid to be in the, at the convention, but I just didn't want to, I just was kind of really hinky about uh, the close quarters on the plane because there was no uh, vaccine yet or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but I, I was in uh, New Orleans in 2018 and I expect to be in uh, Reno uh, next year. Should be yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, I already, uh, I got my stuff all set up. I'm going over there. I'm assuming my first national convention. I did the, oh. uh, I've done two county conventions and one state convention now. Mm -hmm. So the what the convention in Visalia was fun. Oh man, that was great. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the national convention. Oh yeah, you'll enjoy this. It's even way bigger because there's people yeah. from all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, I was sorry I couldn't come. I was planning to come back for the Visalia Convention because I usually come back to the California conventions, but uh, there was an, uh, something I had to attend to here. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, hopefully I'll be back to California next year, and it, which will probably be uh, not too long before the national convention. Do you ever? Do you ever? Uh, or have you ever run for one of the positions in the national LP? I was on the LNC as the California rep over over 30 years ago for like one uh -huh. term. And I will never do that again. It's like a pit of vipers. <laughs> and it was back then, and it's even worse now. Yes. Every time there's a mention of the Libertarian National Committee, it's like, oh, my God, what's going on there this time? I mean, <laughs> it's like, do they, do, they, do they really get anything done? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad to see that the new chair is Whitney Bilyeu, who's our Texas chair, who I know. Uh, and I don't know how she does both, both positions, but uh, she's sort of like a solid... Uh, a, a real solid, capable person. Mm -hmm. I, I hadn't heard of her before until then. So I don't, I hadn't really, I guess still fairly recently, hadn't really followed the national stuff as much. You oh, know, they get kind of crazy. If, if you see what's happening with Karen Ann Harlow's the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. getting removed and uh, she's been pretty controversial the whole, whole time she's been in office. So we'll see yeah, what happens that, with that. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, I, you know, when, uh, I, I really wish it would uh, chill out a little bit. So I'm hoping, hoping things uh, level out, people work with each other a little bit more. That'll be nice. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you see in California, things are, are pretty, pretty friendly. I mean, Mimi Robson is uh, pretty much totally uncontroversial as chair, as far as I know. I mean, she, yeah. I, left the, I wouldn't even have left if it wasn't, I wasn't able to leave the party in her capable hands because I resigned in the middle of my term. And then uh, I knew Mimi was available and she was willing and everybody else agreed too. it looks like and she's still there. So, um, yeah, she wasn't, she, I, she, I think she, she, I think she was unopposed. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. She was yes, unopposed the, the last time too, when she, when she uh, was elected the first time for the unexpired term, she had a couple of opponents, but she dispatched them pretty easily. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I mean unopposed, there was the, you know, uh, you know, the, the one guy who always runs against everybody and drives them all nuts, but 
Oh yeah, Mr. Ogle is kind of an interesting character. <laughs> oh, he's been around for like 25 years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's really mad at me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's harmless. We've had yeah. people in the party that have been pretty toxic, but I wouldn't consider him one of them. No, no, yeah, I've had a run-in with some of those other uh, toxic uh, people, you know, uh, I don't want to mention his name, but he got booted out of the party permanently for his behavior. Oh, yeah. So if you're thinking about the same uh, large fellow that uh, I am, uh, yeah, he was he gave me all kinds of trouble the last year of my uh, that I was in uh, was the chair. But uh, yeah. what can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, that, you know, because I know he, he went after Angela a lot and then he started in on me. And Angela said, you know, he even went after Ted. He goes, nobody wants to go after Ted. <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes, how could anybody not like Ted? He's just all like Ted. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's, it just works out that way. I don't know. But uh, I think you might be talking about yet another uh, a guy that uh, was giving Angela problems. You're talking about uh, Mark Hurd, for example. Oh, yeah, that's talking, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was talking about somebody else. You know, Mark Hurd never went after me, actually. You know, oh, it was like okay. this, this other fellow. <laughs> <laughs> but, Maybe uh, I was confused on him. Yeah, no, Mark Hurd just uh, is, uh, I, I think he more means well, but just absolutely could not get along with Angela. And it's like one of those things where they're, they're, uh, there's no, not room in the same party for both of them. As far well, as he, he, he told me, he told me, because I'm legally blind, and he told me one day, he goes, he goes, you can be blind if you want to, but don't be stupid. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not the easily offended type. Well, yeah, it's better just, you have to have a thick skin in politics. Yeah. In fact, uh, who was it? There was some politician, I think it was, uh, was it uh, Lyndon Johnson or somebody said, do you want a friend in politics? Get a dog or something, because you can't, you can't get a human friend in politics, because everybody's going to be like backstabbing each other. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world out there. I'm glad, I'm glad you know, I'm a musician, so I, I like to play music at the, at the different things. I don't aspire to be chair of anything or, you know, I'm just here, you know, trying to make everybody freer. Oh, that's the way to do it. That's the way to yeah. do it. And, uh, and if you can uh, entertain people, cause you know, libertarians get pretty serious sometimes. So if you can get some, uh, get some uh, music and dancing going at some of the uh, events, that'd be great. The, the Texans seem to do a lot better with having parties than, uh, than the Californians do. So yeah, I've been telling everybody, I said, we need to get more music and, and fun involved. You know, people mm -hmm. will come to a good fun event. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and uh, I think it was kind of my idea that to have like uh, the event, the, the, it started kind of after I left. It was my idea to get that started where in combination with the executive committee meetings, there'd be like some other event with uh, speakers and and something to attract uh, people for fundraising purposes and all that. And that's been done a few times. So I was glad to see that. And uh, they definitely do that in Texas where they, uh, they have some sort of wild party after their executive committee meetings. Ah, uh, like the, local, the, the locals. Yeah. You're gonna, you keep talking like that, you're gonna drain us of all of our good libertarians over here. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a couple of other uh, former libertarian candidates from Southern California that are living here in, uh, in Central Texas. and. Uh, uh they're active here and uh others i'm sure are moving into some other in fact some guy just posted on the texas libertarians facebook that he just uh moved from california to el paso and he wants to hook right up with the uh texas libertarians so uh <laughs> you know so people are coming all the time i've met people from other states that have done the same thing it doesn't have to just be california in fact uh, 
Some other states were worse run than California, like Illinois, for example, is probably worse run than California. And they're, they're like a depressed state, unlike California still, still has some modicum of prosperity. Yeah. Yeah, I heard Illinois is a disaster in that sense. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they just, their bond rating is through the toilet. They owe, owe so much in the, uh, pension debt. And that's one of the problems for like uh, state and local governments everywhere. Yeah, that's going to come home to roost here in California soon. Oh, yeah. We've had like Stockton and Vallejo that have went gone bankrupt, I guess, because of that. Didn't Bell do, do something too, maybe? Or they yeah, had some other corruption us. down there. Oh, well, there was something, yeah, where they, uh, there were several Bell officials that went to jail a few years ago. Yeah, yeah I, th I think the whole city council, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, why not? I know the city yeah. manager was like, uh, city manager and city clerk and all them were like stealing, or they, they paid themselves like, you know, 800,000 bucks or something for their positions. Yeah. I know it's like once they get the I think there's something about you should uh, someone who's an expert on city saying you know what you can be a pig but you shouldn't be a hog or something like that you can you know, like, <laughs> you, yeah you just, just, sometimes you just take too much and uh, you, you were okay when you were just like at a certain level because like if you're getting paid like 400,000 to do the job it's too much but you were saying yeah there's people around the country that make that much for that office but if you start going mm -hmm. to 600 or 800 people say wait a minute you're the only guy in the whole country is a city manager making that much and you have a small city what the hell's going on when they obviously there's something funny going on yeah yeah that, that, you know and they had it going on for quite a while before anybody you know put it together oh yeah yeah oh yeah what's the uh, there was that uh, like people were thieves they, they're pretty skillful there was some uh, a woman who was like a city clerk in Dixon Illinois it was who was the Ronald Reagan's hometown uh, she was in office like for, uh, or the city treasurer or something. And she was in the office for like 20 years. And she was robbing them blind, but she was the one that did all the auditing, did the checking account. They gave all the power to her and no one else looked at it. And they're wondering, why don't we have enough money for the uh, uh, road repairs or the tree trimming and all that stuff? And they, they suddenly, uh, she was on vacation one time and uh, one of the assistants was like asked to like look up some document and she uncovered the whole thing because the boss was away one time. And this oh, lady, man. like uh, this lady, had bought race horses and was like well known in the racing world, and it was only because it was stolen money. <laughs> oh man, off to jail for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some that's some man. I don't even know what to call that. That's not encouraged. That's a, that's a, that's wild. Like I know the poor citizens. Horses. I know the poor citizens of that town. Just their taxes kept going up and didn't didn't go anywhere except in that person's pocket. Man, <laughs> shit. So what, what's in the what's in the future for you then? What do you what, what are your plans? Well, I'm the uh, candidate coordinator now for the Libertarian Party of Texas, so uh, one of the two, and we're working on getting a, a good slate of candidates for next year. Because here, you know, we can get on the ballot, even though there's like high filing fees that the Republicans are, are just imposed on us uh, recently because they don't want us on the ballot. We have ballot status, but uh, we have to pay. Like I, I had to pay three thousand one hundred and twenty-five dollars to run for Congress, Damn. and that's uh, a lot less for state legislature. But you know, uh, usually in the past, Texas Libertarians could just run with nothing. They just sign up their sign their name, and they had hundreds of candidates. But uh, definitely, the numbers are going down because of the uh, filing fees. Even though we're in litigation about that, and so ho hopefully there'll still be plenty, but not as many as as uh, I would have hoped. But there's a good, you know, a good group of people here and a lot of enthusiastic uh, activists. 
some really enthusiastic activists and uh, uh, they just want to get out there and spread liberty. So uh, hopefully that'll be the case here, continuing California and every other state too. We just, because uh, uh, no state is uh, so free as to not need libertarian solutions. Absolutely. Yeah, I was really happy to see my home state and where Steve's at, Indiana, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the, the a third of the state, the Democrats are the third party there, you know, down, oh, yeah. down, down on that Kentucky border. Are they? Because, yeah, I was impressed to see how Donald Rainwater did for his campaign for governor. Yeah. That was really impressive. I love that. That was Yeah, that was great. We had, he was one of my first uh, people I had on the podcast. Mm. Yeah, well, that's that, the that way to great. do That's the way to do it. You just, have, you just have to get the right circumstances. See, that's the thing. That's why you need to have a libertarian in as many office and in as many races as possible. You don't know when that opportunity is going to present itself. It's some sort of situation or problem with the incumbent, uh, some scandal, whatever the case may be. We got to be there to take advantage of that. Yeah. I like Shane Hazel in, in, in Georgia, too. You know, I mean, he, he, threw the, he threw the Senate race into a, oh, man, the Republicans were out of their mind over that. Oh, yeah. Well, they, what they need to do is establish ranked choice voting and they won't have that problem ever again. Right. Yeah, they've had that happen before, but never when it was such a critical race. Uh, we uh, forced other candidates for governor and senator into runoffs before like that, but it didn't matter as much as it did in uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and, but it, it's funny that they blame it, though, because then they still got a runoff race, and they just lost the runoff race. So it was just like, it just, to me, it just prolonged the inevitable. You know, so I don't well, know if they're all upset about it. No, I really think that that, uh, that uh, Purdue would have won the first round. Really? Uh, yeah, if, if we hadn't been on the ballot. Because I'm not saying that our votes would go Republican, but somebody has to win. And I can't imagine our votes would have gone Democrat. They might just not have been voting <laughs> at all, you know. So yeah. uh, I think they would maintain control of the Senate. If, uh, that's yeah, one where yeah, they I might legitimately, Republicans could legitimately blame us, but it's their own fault. It's, it's who they're nominating and what kind of crazies they've got running uh, running for office and the fact they yeah. want to look for alternative voting systems because if it was the ranked choice voting, all of Shane Hazel's supporters could have ranked him first then ranked one of the other two second. They would have had a decision on, uh, on election night. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, yeah, that, uh, Maine, Maine does have that, right? Uh, Maine, yes, Maine does have that. That, that was actually how, how did the Libertarians do over there? They haven't run anybody yet under that system. Oh, that's what really surprised me. They had the Greens have and some independents have run under that system. And uh -huh. this was what was interesting. The first time up, the only race they did that on was, was for Congress. The first time they did it. And oh. a Republican congressman was in the plurality on the first round, but he lost in the second round because the third candidate was a Green candidate. And so oh. he said, wait a minute, I can't lose this race. I won on election day. I had a plurality of the vote. He went to court and the judge said, nope, that's not the system that the state set up. You're out, you're out of there. And he was out of there. The Democrat won because he was the second choice of the uh, Green voters. Huh. <laughs> that's interesting. And that's the way that system is supposed to work, you know. That way, uh, you can yeah, vote, yeah. You can, that way, if you're a leftist, you can vote Green and show that, hey, I'm not really that happy with the Democrats. I wanna, I'm more radical than that. And then, yeah. uh, but you know, I don't want that Republican to win, so I'm going to vote for that Democrat as the second, uh, uh, as my second choice. Uh -huh. And uh, li libertarians, though, wouldn't be as clear cut as that. Some would vote for the Democrat and some for the Republican as their second choice because we're all over the map. Uh, yeah. Studies have shown that, like, if libertarian candidate wasn't on the ballot, 
a third would vote Democrat, a third would vote Republican, and a third wouldn't even vote in that race. <laughs> We're just yeah. all over the place on those uh, on the on the polling on that because people come in from so many different backgrounds. Yeah, I think that'd probably be me, the one that didn't, didn't vote because I I couldn't stomach either of them anymore. No, I can I can sympathize. I can sympathize. I, I can sympathize, but I I ain't, I ain't jumping on board with them. <laughs> no. No, well, here in Texas, for the first time in my life, I've been voting for over 40 years. I actually voted for a handful of partisan candidates that won because there was no libertarian running and I actually did vote for a Democrat or a Republican. And some of them actually won, which surprised me. I was shocked because I hardly ever in my whole life voted for a candidate that won an election, you know, especially, <laughs> especially in uh, partisan races. Back yeah. in LA, I just once in a while voted for the DA. <laughs> A DA candidate that won in a nonpartisan race or a local school board race or something like that, but never in a partisan race. And here, you know, a couple of them, a couple of them got into like a state supreme court justice and that sort of thing. So it was kind of surprising to me. But again, I still had to like grip my teeth to do the lesser of two evils. But it kind of was clear, you know, it really was a little, you know, it sort of opened up a gap. Sometimes one of the candidates is a little bit better than the others. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get. I, I uh, out here, you know, you know, a lot of times now, just Democrats run against Democrats now. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you have to, well, you have to look for, I guess, in that case, just which one seems to have the most integrity or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But that's a big problem. I, I would skip a lot of those races, probably. Yeah, unless, yeah. I just unless, 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 I don't even see a point. Unless there was somebody really miserable running, like say when Kamala Harris was running for office, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I then I'd probably vote against an for an alligator against her. Yeah, just terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, yeah. that's like the the worst rising to the top. Yep, that's right. So, well, we probably ought to wrap it up here. I wanted to thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and uh, thanks for getting me all fired up over here and getting me active in the party. Oh, I'm so glad I was able to do that, Sean, because I always it always thrills me when I'm calling around on the on the list of members, and uh, and I figure it's funny. I, I've been doing that for so long. I can tell when somebody's interested. Like uh, most people will just like totally say, "Ah, nah, I'm not going to do it. That's not me. I'm not interested." But if if you express any modicum of interest in it, I know I've got you. Yeah, <laughs> I can convince you that because obviously some people have a reason not to. Like they they work for the, the you know they they work for someone that wouldn't allow them to or you know, they, they have like 12 kids and they just have no time or something. But yeah. if, you have, if you're interested, I'm going to convince you to do it. And that way. Yeah. It's funny because I told my girlfriend, I said, I kind of thought about it because I thought it'd be a good way just to go out and play music and stuff like that. Yeah. Talk about libertarian stuff. But, you know, kind of half-assed thought about it. And then right out of no place, you called me and I was like, I was like, shit, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. I got I to gotta go talk to my family about this before, yeah, before but, I make any but, crazy decisions. <laughs> yeah, but you did the right thing, and Mimi, Mimi Robson did the right thing. Again, just called I called her out of the blue to run for state senate, and you see what's happened with her. She became one of the top activists in the party. So just yeah. a matter of uh, of calling. Just you don't know who's out there, uh, yeah. who's just suddenly joined up as an LP member. Uh, hey, you might want to do, uh, pass it along and start calling some new members to do the same thing next time. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're definitely, you're, you're, you're the master at it. Because like I said, everybody I meet out here said Ted, Ted's the one that called me. <laughs> well, I'm really, it really heartens me to hear that because we need so many activists. I mean, I can only do yeah. so much, but uh, yeah, we just need to just, uh, you know, keep, uh, if we get a geometric progression, we'd really be, we'd be on top after uh, not too long. Yeah, yep. Just keep on trucking. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, Miss, thanks so much for having me, Sean. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, hope, and see, see, see you in Reno. Fantastic. I look forward to meeting you in person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, bye-bye. Take care. Bye.